Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I want to welcome you back to week two of this series we've entitled Moving Mountains, getting a breakthrough in the areas of our life where we feel stuck or there's things stopping us or holding us back. And uh, I believe this series, I know just from the feedback and talking to some of you, that it's really speaking to us right where we live because we all can relate to those things in our lives. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you this week to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look and start in verse 27, and I'm just going to partner with Jesus a little bit in one of his sermons and just share it with you, but uh, here in just a minute I'll give you a, a little catch-up for some of you. This is new, the series is new, and look at a theme verse. First of all, though, I'd, just, I'd like us to celebrate one more time these water baptisms and just say, I mean, I'm telling you, um, we have for several times now, we've had back-to-back weeks of baptisms and just all weekend, uh, I just, it's still emotional for me. Um, I, I end up getting emotional and then I have to come preach and my voice is messed up. I watched last night as, as dads and entire families, a dad, a mom, their children would get in the baptistry and be baptized. I, I watch, watching all these, these, these lives being transformed. I mean, just people from all walks of life. Uh, it is, it's, I'm going to tell you, it, heaven is celebrating today. It's what Jesus is celebrating. Um, I don't don't want us to lose focus that Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you just to have services and buildings and and ministries and, you know, try to figure out all the deep things that are found. in." he said, look, at the end of it all, he said, I want you to keep proclaiming this message and I want you to make disciples and I want you to go baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I feel the pleasure of Jesus. That's what Jesus asked us to do, and that's enough for me, and I'm still excited about what Jesus is excited about. I'm going to tell you, he's excited about that. That's what he's excited about, and so I just celebrate with these lives and all these young people. We're seeing God touch a generation right now, literally, and um, I'm so thankful to all of you that work in our student ministry, that give all weekend. We've just been watching one after another of these young people step out and say they're committing their lives to Christ. And so I want to show you this this thing that's coming up, this event that we have. It's more than an event. It's a retreat that we have that's in-house. I want to say thank you to those of you that give generously. Uh, It helps us to continue to reach these young people. Thank you for those that open up your homes. This is an in-town retreat. And uh, in a day and age where kids are busier, there's so much baseball and activities and things going on, nothing against any of that. My kids are very involved. But I want to say to every parent, we continue to put these environments together. It takes work, it takes energy, it takes homes, it takes food, it takes activity. And the reason we do is we believe something happens when we take their cell phone away. Old school is the new school. Come on. And we get him in God's presence for a period of time. And we're watching him literally transform their lives. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a parent or a grandparent, beg, borrow, steal, use whatever you got 
to get them in these environments because we see God transform their lives every time. And so you see the dates there. You can go to our website and uh, you can sign up for it. It's going to be really awesome as we see God touching a generation. We're talking about moving mountains and as we look at that sort of symbolism, which is a common metaphor throughout the scriptures, uh, we, we start thinking about the things in our, in our own lives. We kicked this series off last week where we started talking about how mountains would move, this, this biblical ancient metaphor, and we went to this passage of scripture that Jesus gave us. I want to show it to you right here. It's a, a passage that I got to tell you it it, it sort of messes with us. I'm completely comfortable in the fact that there's not a molecule in the universe outside of God's rule and reign. I'm completely comfortable that God's smarter than me, that his ways are above mine. I have a great settling in my soul in knowing that he's in charge. But then I need to still grapple with the fact that though he's in charge, he still works with everyday people like you and I in moving mountains. That there's a participation, and some of all of it we won't understand this side of heaven, but Jesus gives us some insight that messes with us a little bit. I want you to see this verse of Scripture. He replied, really he's coaching up his disciples who have encountered a problem, a demonic spirit that they don't know what to do with. And he says to them, when they ask, why can't we get this thing to move? Why can't we cause it to move? You're like, okay, what, what kind of thing are you facing? What kind of barrier are you facing? A job situation, a kid issue, an emotional issue, a marriage issue. Well, Jesus says, look, sometimes here's what's happening. Sometimes here's the issue. As he talks to his disciples, he says, because you have so little faith, and I know when we hear that, some of us are like, wow, that's out there. I, I don't know. Jesus saying we have little faith, like he's God. How do I sort that out? Well, I promised you last week that we would get very practical, and we're going to do that this week. We're going to look real practical how we unpack that so little faith statement. But he starts here by telling them, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, something very small, he's contrasting the smallest with the largest thing they could think of. And he says, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Then another radical word, nothing will be impossible for you. And so as we look at Jesus' statement, we again now start thinking about, okay, how do I take that really radical out there statement into my world. And so I always like to just get you thinking for a minute. And so uh, we're thinking about mountains. So I thought I would show you a mountain. I don't know if you recognize the mountain, but it, it's, it's a really cool mountain. I remember the first time I saw it, it's in Northern California. It's Mount Shasta. First time I saw it, it just, man, it just kind of erupts right out of the landscape. Um, a beautiful mountain, 14,000 some odd feet comparable to Mount Fuji in Japan, but it's also a training mountain for people that want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro that's about 5,000 feet larger. And so we, we look at that mountain and you're just thinking about the mountain and you look at the picture and man, the picture's kind of inspiring. You're like, wow, people train. Kilimanjaro, largest mountain in Africa, Mount Shasta, right here in North America. It's like, wow, that looks kind of cool. It's kind of picturesque. 
It's kind of inspiring. But, but not so with the metaphor that the Bible uses. The book of Isaiah, I'll take your mountains, I'll turn them into roads. Not so. It's not so inspiring when it's your financial mountain. When it's your kid problem mountain, when it's your family mountain, when it's your relational mountain, it's not quite so picturesque, it's actually quite challenging. So we, we make up these phrases in our world, it's like I've got a, a mountain of problems, that you make a mountain out of a molehill, or some of you be like, I've got, I've got a mountain of laundry, I've got a mountain of challenges. I've got a mountain of a to-do list. This literally happened this week. My wife, she gave me some things, a to-do list. Come on, men, y'all with me? We were reconvening over the to-do list. We've got four kids. We've got a lot of stuff going. We're moving in this direction. We're moving in that direction. And a few things she had on the list was a few honeydews related to fixer-upper style, fixing some things, kind of big mountains for me. She said, how'd you do with that? And so it was the end of the day, we're reminiscing, and she's just, she's just kind of almost like, you know, we've been married over 20 years, and I guess she thinks it's going to change, but she's like, why, why, don't, why don't you fix stuff? I said, I don't have any tools. <laughs> she said, well, if, if I'll buy you some tools. I said, I don't want any tools, then I'd have to fix something, you know? I, I don't, she's like, Jeff, I'm like, well, I got to find one of my friends to help me. And so we're just kind of talking about our day. And you know how you just hit the pillow, exhausted, all these things, and kind of, honey, I'm sorry I don't fix stuff, you know, but I love you. Uh, but, but, you know, so we're just, I'm like, honey, it's going to be okay. You know, all this stuff, you know, this is real life, right? Literally this happens. We're laying there. I'm trying to console her. Look, we'll let tomorrow take care of itself. Some stuff will happen. It'll be fine. Okay, honey, it's good. And all of a sudden, my ceiling fan, it, the motor, it, it arced. And <laughs> this is really happening. Smoke. <sighs> Sorry. I'm like, ah. I thought my house was going to burn down. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I went over there. I turned the switch off. I'm praying that my house doesn't burn down. Went to bed. And I had dark thoughts. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, the devil hates me. What am I doing? Okay. Now, as humorous as that is, that's real life at the end of the day. Really? Really? The ceiling? I mean, come on. Is that, I mean, that, that's just kind of how life works, though. It just, just compounds upon itself, and your thing may not be as trivial as a ceiling fan. It may be so much greater, and I'd like this week for us to kind of dig in this, this, this sort of concept as we look now at Matthew chapter 6. Your thoughts and your thinking affect your mountains. If you're like, I don't even know how to relate to oh so little faith, you have so little faith, well I'm going to tell you, if you understand the landscape of the Bible and you understand Jesus, then a lot of that mountain is right in here. A lot of that mountain is in the constructs and paradigms and things you've inherited and the way you see and that's what Jesus was constantly doing, even with the whole thought about mountains. He's dealing with their view, their paradigm, their insight. And I want to show you from Scripture how he connects this little faith phrase to another set of Scriptures. And like I said, I'm just going to let Jesus preach with me today. And it's going to be a little convicting, but just take it up with Jesus because really... I'm just vocalizing Jesus' sermon. This is, if you know here in this section of Scripture, what we're about to read here, it's just tucked in 
one of Jesus's, well, actually his longest message. And it gives so much insight on life. And so let's look at what he's saying here. And he says, which of you by being anxious, you being anxious about your mountain, look at it, can add a single hour to his span of life. I was reading this even with some friends this week as I start meditating on a passage and I start reading and I think it's so rich, it's so rich, you just start thinking, okay, which one of you by thinking with a worrisome, anxious mindset can do anything to fix the mountain, can add anything to what you really want? No, he says you can't add anything to your span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? You're like, I'm not anxious about clothing. He's going to talk about clothing and food. Let's put ourselves in the context. Jesus was a great preacher. He was a great preacher because Jesus understood people. And Jesus talks about clothes and food because in their day, it was the thing they were most anxious about. You got to remember, they had like two garments. They had to wash them over and over. They hope they don't wear out. They maybe had one meal a day that they took the whole day to prepare the meal. So you and I are like, anxious about clothing? I don't really get that. What's the big deal, pastor? What's that mean? But, but see, if Jesus were preaching to us today, he wouldn't say you're anxious about clothing. He'd say you're anxious about your job promotion. You're anxious about whether you messed your kids up. You're anxious about your marriage. You're anxious about your finances. You're anxious about whether or not you're going to get to the next place in life. You're anxious about the fact you should be further than that by now. So whatever your mountain is, just put it in Jesus' message. Because here's what he says. Look what he says. He says, and why are you so anxious about your college? Why are you so anxious about your kids? Why are you so anxious about your job? Why are you so anxious about your health? Why are you so anxious about your marriage? He says to do something different. I'm talking about thoughts. Consider. So instead of being anxious, which is basically considering your problems, he said, I want you to consider something else. The lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more, everybody say much more, don't you believe he loves us more than the grass? Much more clothe you, much more handle your mountain, your job, your problem, your situation. And look at the phrase, oh, you of little faith. What is faith? We learned it last week. It's our confidence in God's ability. It's our confidence in God's goodness, in God's generosity, in the nature and character of God. That this is our God. And look what it says here. Oh, you have little faith. And now he gets to some action steps, some practical action steps. He says, therefore, because of God's nature and God's character, therefore, do not be so anxious. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Just put your little mountain in there. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But look at another word that has to do with thinking, that has to do with meditating, that has to do with desires, that has to do with pursuing. He says, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow 
will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus in his sermon says a powerful thing to us today when it comes to our mountains. A lot of it is what we're considering. A lot of it is what we're seeking, which is in contradiction to what we naturally want to do, and that is be anxious about tomorrow when tomorrow has plenty of things on its own to be anxious about. And so as we look at our mountains, again, we think about it. I saw this in real life. If you'd just, just, just give me a moment for a second just to kind of be a proud dad, but also if you'll look beyond the proud dad, um, I learned something. One thing about parenting and one thing Jesus does with us when we help others. Remember last week when I said you can see past somebody else's mountain a whole lot easier than you can see past yours? But sometimes when someone's working through their mountain, then you learn something in their journey. Well, I learned something from my oldest daughter, and the reason I gave you Mount Shasta is she actually summited Mount Shasta last summer. And so, yes, there's a little proud dad in me, but I also learned something, and even she and I, as she's working through some of the pressures of being a young person, and one reason I have a heart for teenagers, teenagers have a lot of pressure today. They have a lot of pressure on them. we got to lighten up a little bit. We got to help them a little bit. We got to have a little bit of grace for them. They got a world filled with pressures that you and I didn't have. So she and I began to talk through it, and we went on a camp together to a camp right beside this mountain. And we were we we learned together, and we grew together, and we talked about boys, and we talked about life, and we talked about the future, and we had such a meaningful time together. And at the end of it, they present this opportunity that you can climb Mount Shasta. And so I I thought, man, I I don't know about all that. You know, that seems dangerous. This is like 14,000 feet. So my daughter said, Dad, I tell you what, I want to do it. Will you do it with me? I said, well, I'll be on the prayer team. (laughs) I'll be be on the intercessory team. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I I don't fix stuff and I don't climb mountains. That's my name, Jeff Little. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so I said, I don't know about all that. So she got her friend Isabel here in the church, and the two of them began to set out on this journey. And and I watched the preparation, and I watched the stages, and I watched the thinking, and I saw the process. And and, and really, it's it's quite an interesting experience. Uh, Most people, half of the people who went did not make it up the mountain. My daughter had a great challenge in the middle of going up the mountain. Even when you set out to say, I'm going to have not this little faith... You know, that's easy in here because when you start addressing your mountain this week, guess what's going to happen? Another circumstance is going to come up. And so halfway up the mountain, one of her team members got sick. They had to bring her back down the mountain and then go back to where they were at that camp. And so it was a, it was a gru- excruciating process. And I mean, you had to, they were eating these bars. There's a bar. Neither one of them will eat anymore because it's like, man, they had to live on these things. And you got sanitary issues. And they crawled on their knees for several feet of it. I mean, just a big process along the way. And I tell it to you only for this reason. As she came back and processed with me, I felt convicted about the times I am so worrisome and I think in such a shallow way in regards to God. And how many times God's like, look, quit being so anxious here. I got you in this journey. And so it was such a learning lesson for me. Now, some of you are like, okay, conquering mountains, little faith. I got anxiety. Last few moments, I want to help you, okay? I told you we'd be practical. Let's get practical on how thoughts, how do your thoughts 
help you. How do we do what Jesus is saying? Consider, consider, seek. Okay, think in a different way. How do we do that? Let's look at what the Bible has to say to us. Number one, practically, how do your thoughts impact your mountains? Well, you have to evaluate your thoughts. Yes, I said that. We live in a culture today that says, look, if it's said, then that makes it true. That makes it okay if it's said or it's popular or if I feel it or if I think it then that's okay. No, 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 we have to evaluate our thoughts. I have crazy thoughts just like you. I do, I'll wake up, I'll have a, an un, a, just a crazy fear about something. I'll have a, a crazy insight, so I'll, just, I'll, I'll have that, that still happens to me. I've been walking with Jesus for years, and I read the Bible every day, I preach the Bible multiple times on the weekend, and look, the thoughts come. The crazy thoughts come. Your thoughts can go dark so quick. But here's what we need to understand. You evaluate your thoughts. In discipling and developing people and working with people, one of the things I find myself always having to bring them back to, you need to start thinking about what you're thinking about. You ever started going, okay, anxiety, all right, where's this coming from? Where's the root of this? What's the process of me getting to that? What am I absorbing? What am I looking at? What is it? Did it come from my lineage? Did it come from my parents? Where did, doesn't matter where it came from. You need to evaluate it. You need to filter it through. You need to filter it, evaluate it, filter it. How many of you here are coffee drinkers? Okay, now there's levels of coffee drinkers. Okay, I'm kind of Keurig. I'm kind of Dopio over ice. That means two if you didn't know, but anyway... Uh, I'm just kind of give me the caffeine, you know, it's not that big a deal, but I do have friends, uh, you know, they're coffee. How many of y'all are tea people? You like to drink tea, sweet tea, southern tea? How many of y'all drink energy drinks? Don't admit it in church, some things are bad for you, okay, I'm saying, I'm making you go crazy. Um, but I have people that, 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 I mean, friends of mine, they, they're, they're coffee people. I got one friend, he has an app on his phone that helps him and it syncs up with his scale when he like has to grind it with perfect consistency and have the right weight of the amount of, of, of coffee there. I mean, th- this is getting like drug-like, okay guys? I mean, this is dangerous, all right? They're weighing it out, putting it in there. They got the presses, you got the machines, you got the pour overs, you got the cold brew, you got the, all this stuff. I mean, all kinds. But A lot of it, yes, has to do with the quality of the coffee, but it also has to do with the filtering process. You don't want to get a grain up in your coffee if you're a coffee person. And and just I'm just getting you thinking, okay? Filter, 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 okay? If we put that much work into filtering our coffee, how much more should we put into filtering what we think about? Filter it. You go, okay, well, I want to filter it. What do I use to filter it? Well, Number one, you need to look at, there's some deeper underlying issues. We're going back to this source thing. What are the underlying issues? Number one is lies. There's lies that come our way. The enemy has one move, deception. That's all he has. He has one move, deceive. He can't create. He can't encourage. He's, He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. So you have to, if you're going to change, remember we're talking about changing the mountains, changing the fruit, then you've got to change the root of what you think. And you need to understand that there are some rooted thought processes that come from false information called lies. 
And you need to be able to discern through the Word of God what is true. Just because they say it, just because I feel it, doesn't mean that it's actually true. So here's the next one, unbelief. It's kind of cool today to be cynical, to be skeptical. I'm not saying you have to get in a lobotomy to worship God. He wants us to worship Him with our mind. So we can be thinking, worship-filled people. But here's a problem today. Thinking God's thoughts is different and being, being a person who can cooperate with the genius mind of God because our ways are not his ways, our thoughts are not his thoughts. Being that type of person and being a cynical, hardened, skeptical person, that's rooted in unbelief. And the Bible has a lot to say about unbelief. There was an entire city. Jesus could do no miracles there because they were filled with unbelief. Jesus loves atmospheres that believe God is who he says he is, that believes God can do anything. He loves the word impossible. He loves environments like that. He loves those contexts. In fact, our key verse for this this series, there where Jesus is coaching the disciples, when Mark tells a story about Jesus talking about these kind of things, there's actually a dad who's dealing with one of these demonic spirits. And Jesus goes to him and this guy says, if you can help out here, Jesus is like, if? Hold on a minute. If? No, if you believe. If you believe, then all things are possible. And I love the guy's response because it's so transparent. He goes, I want to believe. I, I do believe. Can you help my unbelief? Unbelief is a toxic thing, and you can even pick it up in religious cultures. You can pick it up in church cultures. You can pick it up in atmospheres, and that unbelief actually begins to repel the promises of God. Here's the next one, injured faith. We're talking about little faith. Did you know there's saving faith? We walk by faith and not by sight, but the Bible even speaks of this fact your faith can begin to have an injury to it, and some of you, even as you hear me preaching, you think I'm just doing hype, you know, God can do, God, no. I live around people, and I live around problems, but you know what? I want to continue to make sure I'm prioritizing staying connected to a God who's above it all. Who's above it all. And so I understand when you've had injured faith, when you've been like, man, I tried to believe that. I tried to step out. I had this happen. I had that happen. And so you start, you start relying on and relating to that place where you got a little wounded when it didn't work out. You say, okay, Jeff, that's where it's coming from. That's what we need to filter. What do we actually do? Well, I'm going to put a little graphic on the screen. And you may want to take those notes. You may want to take this message. You may want to put it on your mirror. You might, you might start going, okay, what do I do if my thoughts influence my behaviors, influence the mountains? What do I actually do? You're like, where do I go? Well, you have to train your thinking. You have to start training yourself to think God's way. You have to start training it over and over. Why? Because there's going to be all kinds of things trying to influence your thinking. It's like targeted ads, right? My wife loves to look at Fixer Up or HGTV, so that's what all, if I get her laptop, it's flooded with that. I think it's from the pit of hell, all right? Just give me something else. And so what happens is you look for that, well, we're going to feed you more of what you're looking for and maybe some stuff that kind of is in the same camp with it. You know what the enemy will do with you? If you start having that type of training, well, there'll be a targeted ad from the enemy, which would lead you to just, hey, we'll try this too. Try this too. You have to start 
training your thinking. How do you do it? Number one, you have to renew your mind. Actually, your mind is renewed when you connect your mind to what Jesus did on the inside of you. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I don't care if it's on Facebook. I don't care if the most popular person in the world says this is right. We don't conform to the pattern of this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. What do you do with unbelief? That's what we're seeing, this testimony, this guy. He said, look, I, I hit rock bottom. I accepted Jesus. Did you hear what he said? I now have a thirst for what God says. What happened there? You know what the Bible says? You become a new creation. You get a new mind. The Bible says you get the mind of Christ. You now have the mind of Christ at work. So it changes your entire thinking patterns. And so you have a renewed mind. You're not going to just overcome unbelief. You have to renew that toxic, unbelieving mind with the truth of the person of Jesus Christ and his word. You renew it. Here's the next thing you do. You set your mind. You set your mind. Look what it says. You set it on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind. Remember, faith is not, it's not really even as much about us as it is anchoring ourselves and setting our focus on God's ability and God's nature. I'm going to set my mind on things above. It, it, you, just, you end up with a problem. You know, it's like I got something here in my, my arm. I got a little something. Then you get on WebMD. It's just, it's just okay, I look on there, and by the end, it's like, I just need to cut it off. I mean, it's just, you know, I might as well just, just die. I mean, obviously, you, you, and so what do we do today? We set our mind on that. We set our mind on that. You're talking about train your mind? If you're filled with anxiety, guess what? There's some things you don't need to look at. There's stuff I don't read. I don't look at. There's stuff I don't watch. There's people I don't hang around. You know why? Because I'm setting my mind. I've got too many mountains and too many other people that have mountains that I'm trying to move. So during the week, I've got to keep training my thinking to set my mind on things that are above. Now that's part of sort of even the defensive posture or the anchoring posture, but now you've got to go on the offense. You're like, okay, we're doing that. Now how do we go on the offense? Well, you take. You take every thought captive. Remember what I said? They're coming. Take every thought captive. I wish I could show you the whole verse. We take every thought. We make it obedient to Christ. That's how we're destroying these mountains around our world is we're like, you know what? That's a lie. I'm taking that and putting it under the authority of Jesus. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I take that thought. I put it under the authority because, again, as our thoughts begin to drift this way, I take that thought. I put it under the authority of who Jesus is. Here's the, ne the, the next one. Look at this. Now, what do we think on? We start thinking on Philippians 4.8, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. By the way, there's a whole list in that. You might just want to take those set of verses right there. You need some peace. There's the promise of peace right there. The promise of peace in that section of scripture is about what you're thinking about all the time. If you're thinking on earthly things, you're thinking on scenarios, you're thinking on all these other, then guess what? It affects your peace. That's what Jesus said. Hold on, let's, let's, not, let's not think about that. Let's consider this. Let's consider how faithful I've been. Let's consider. Let's stop thinking about, I don't have this, I don't have that, they have this, or thinking about, what do I have? What have I been blessed with? It'll change the whole paradigm. You start thinking differently. Now, the final thing you do 
very practical before I pray for you, is now you act in faith. Because I know some of you are right now, you're like, oh, this is practical, pastor. Those are all verses in the Bible, okay? The Bible has a lot to say. You know, I could preach for weeks on this. A lot to say about our thought processes. Because, see, God wants us to worship him with our minds over and over. There's some of you maybe going, well, is this just like power of positive thinking, pastor? You know, is, this, is that what this church is about? You know, it's just kind of positive thinking, you know, just, you know, just cheerleader. Just rah, rah, yeah. Y'all like my moves last week. I know you. It's like, it's just, just think good. I got a mountain. Okay, pastor, that's not real life. My ceiling fan burned out. Okay, come on. Look, I got issues. I got problems. I do too. But you know what? It's not just the power of positive thinking because the power of positive thinking message is just really worshiping the process of thinking. It's that if you can just put all the right recipe together, then you'll just get results without God. That's not, the, this is, that's not what the Bible's teaching us here. The Bible's teaching us a process of our thoughts that begin to align with the nature of God that then affect our actual behaviors so that now we begin to live out a lifestyle that is honoring to Christ. Totally different than the positive thinking sort of message. All right? It's like this. I'm talking about act in faith, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just look at practically how to do it. How many of you have seen this guy, Nick Walinda, who did all these tightrope acts? He's got these Guinness's Book of World Records. They showed him, I think, on the Discovery Channel. He crossed. How many of y'all saw this guy? Okay, he went across the Grand Canyon, across Niagara Falls. He's got a big record where he had the largest incline. I mean, the guy's out there, all right? He walks between buildings, largest incline between big structures, okay? And all these people watch him do this. It's, it's these big, you know, just like, whoa, it's scary. If Nick came down to you, I'm talking about your faith. It's got to move from just these concepts to real life. If Nick came to you and said, you think I can do this? And you're like, well, I've studied you, man. You're like Guinness Book of World Records. You did this on TV, all these millions of people watching. You're like, I bet you can make it across the Niagara Falls. I, think, I believe you can do it. It would be totally different. This is real biblical faith. Biblical faith is not, oh, I think you can do it. Jesus, I think you can do it. That's good. No, no. Biblical faith is Nick saying, look, I got a wheelbarrow here. Why don't you get in it and, and we'll go across together? Biblical faith is Jesus did it all, but now Jesus says, come on with me. And you trust he can, but you act it out in faith. You say, what do I do with that in my everyday life? Here's how the principle works and here's how the grid works. Salvation. Let's talk about evaluating the thoughts about salvation. Salvation meaning what? Not just going to heaven, but having the abundant life today with Jesus. Having Jesus in your everyday and the peace that comes from having him in a real way. Most people have a lie. They have a thought. Well, I need to work my way to Jesus. I need to do enough right stuff so I need to perform for Jesus which then they start training their thinking with, am I doing enough? Did I meet the standard? Am I able to accomplish it? And then the way they act is in a performance-oriented way toward Jesus, which ultimately sets you up to fail. And whatever you fail at long enough, you eventually quit. And then you say, look, Jesus' way doesn't work. You move toward what you believe. No, you need to take that coffee strainer and filter that through what the Bible actually says. 
The Bible actually says you could spend a lifetime trying to find out a way to measure up to something that you can't perform. In just a few hours, Jesus on a bloody cross did it all and said it is finished. When you take that thought into your head and said, he finished it. There is no other name under heaven whereby we can be saved, but at the name of Jesus every knee bows and every tongue confesses. You make that your leading thought, then what happens? You train your thinking with Jesus did it all. All I need to do is to keep putting myself in a receiving posture according to what he's already finished, which then gives you an ability to act in faith every day to serve him not out of obligation but out of willful cheerfulness, and then you have something to give others. Do you see what I'm saying? It all started with the thought. It all started with the evaluation of the thought. Marriage. A lot of people I've been meeting recently. I see, I hear it a lot. My marriage. The leading thought that's killing marriages today. Oh, they're supposed to be your soulmate. They're supposed to be perfect. They're supposed to meet your needs. And you have that thought. You know what that makes you do? You know how you train your thinking? Every day. I need a little more. What you got today? And you start evaluating them. So every time you evaluate someone, what does that do? Push them away more because they feel like they can't measure up. And so the enemy started with your thought. He started with the lie. And then how do you act toward them? And then you wonder why there's a wedge and a division between your marriage. No, you go back to the truth. You filter the lie. The Bible says my, my real leading thought needs to be that Jesus laid down his life for his bride and I'm to lay down my life for my wife. That's my leading thought, so I start training my thinking. I'm selfish just like you. I start training my thinking, wait, lay down your life for your wife, okay. And so then how do I serve her? Which then as I act in faith in that way, then it changes the relationship and there's a reciprocation. Young people, if your leading thought is, I'm missing out and it's my job to make it to my destiny. Should you have principles and practices? Yes, but a leading thought today is, I, if I don't get all of this, if my resume's not exactly right, I'm gonna miss God. So what do you do? You train your thinking. Achieve, achieve. You overschedule. You end up with stomach issues, pressure, stress, all these things in your life because it's you getting yourself to your destiny and you act like you are your God. Let me change the thought. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. My God is for me, not against me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Now, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from the hand of God. He knows my end better than I know my beginning. He's writing my story. So my job to train my thinking is because I know he is a God who can't leave me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. So my job is to steward my today. And he who is faithful with a little will be given much. So I act that way and then I begin to see God show up. And I don't have to be so anxious about tomorrow. I don't have to live with that much anxiety because... I'm not God. And that makes me have a lot more peace. Your mountain, a lot of it's here. A lot of it's here. What lies are you believing? What things are you accepting that are holding you back from what God has for you? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. There's some of you here right now, you believe some of those lies about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You believe that. You believe I have to perform my way or I go to church enough or I do right. Whatever it is, I want to tell you, the truth is you'll never make your way to Jesus. Jesus is saying, will you receive me as a gift? And so right where you are, you can just simply say, Jesus, here I am. 
I come to you. I need you. If there's no other way to be saved under heaven but at your name, then I say, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me. And I receive you today. It's more than just the words. It's your heart. Maybe you're watching online. You can receive him right where you are. And Jesus will come in. And he'll start the work. He'll start the process. Oh, he'll renew your mind, but he's going to renew so much more. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to let us know. Come forward at the end of the service. Come to Discovery 101 at the first of the month. Let us start you in a process so you can learn how to grow in Christ. But second of all, I want to pray for some of you. You say, Jeff, I, I come up short on that verse. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. I come up short. We all do. And so, Jesus, we're asking you today, help that word be revelation to us. Help us in our thought patterns, in our thinking. They're coming to us at rapid rates every day. And help us, Lord, to filter. Help us to train our thinking to be in line with your thoughts about us, Jesus. And I pray then we would also act on that. Father, I thank you for moving in the areas of the mountains of people's lives this weekend in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 